Okay, we are back for another episode. Steven, how's it going? It's going well. Uh, we have got a lot to talk about today. Good Just boy. look at these mugshots. <laughs> I mean, with an opener like that, I think we've already hooked the listener, but... Um, I mean, yeah, today's episode is, is really just hot off the presses, and I think it's always really funny to me. I mean, not funny. I mean, this is actually devastating, um, but it's interesting. I mean, we're, we're going fully ripped from the headlines, you know, from the AP, you know, a venerable newswire. Um, and the, the, the topic of today, uh, this subject, this headline reads, Prosecutors, colon, HOA board members stole millions from residents. And this was just out here mid-November. Um, this is really crazy. And this is in your I, backyard. This is in my backyard. I'm looking at, yeah, five mugshots coming across the AP Newswire. I mean, this is, it's just crazy that I, I feel like HOA, there's a through line to true crime, you know, in, in some of these boards. I mean, what do you make of that, Stephen? Do you think we could become a true crime podcast? Look, that would really help us, you know, with the, the white women uh, contingent. You know, I, a lot of demographics, white women love murder ducks, you know, murder shows, murder things, true yeah. crime. You know, I look, I think it, the, the genre might just shift to that anyway. We may not even have a choice, Stephen. I mean, the way this is going, uh, there's bound to be, if hasn't already been, some HOA murders. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But um, but this not no murders yet in this story uh, will be two stories that we'll probably talk about. One is actually in my backyard as well. Um, yeah, we got but, lots. Uh, lots but of this, this uh, yeah, a lot of a lot of news happened this week uh, in the HOA world. Well, let's just jump right into it. I mean, I, yeah, because this is this is so interesting. I feel like this is a, a recurring theme that we've talked about in. Do you want to give a past. quick summary of the uh, of the case here against? Yeah, the, so uh, essentially. The yeah, exactly. And essentially what we're looking at here is the Miami-Dade state attorney, um, who, sidebar, is trash, um, did announce a mix of theft and fraud and money laundering against um, these HOA folks that are part of a really large community. It's this HOA oversees 40 communities, over 6,500 units um, in a neighborhood just southwest of Miami. And so like, that's a pretty big undertaking to... I think we've often talked about, you know, that is a huge community. It's, it's huge. And so one of the things that, you know, I've always felt as, you know, as a steward of the building and the board is, is really important to try to steer the direction of the building into longevity, safety, um, you know, trying to do the things that can help preserve and accrue your property values to make sure that your, you know, the money that you have invested in your community continues to be, you know, worthwhile and, and grow. And so I think that oftentimes when you get a mix of, of, of people in these communities that may have competing ideas, I think that's where some of the, the, the silliness can come from. But this is straight up criminal. So what we're, well, I mean, allegedly. So um, as you all heard from our last episode, we're also our legal counsel in addition to being executive producer, audio engineers, and everything else. But um, so I think the the real smoking gun here is that uh, as according to this this article from the AP, the association had been operating on an annual budget of about three point seven million dollars until this spring, when the board adopted a budget of more than ten million dollars, according to the court documents. This means that the residents faced monthly maintenance and service fee increases of up to four hundred percent, which has that's a devastating a amount. I mean that that that, that kind of change. I mean people like you probably can't can't live there anymore. I mean that's that's a move In out situation. Economy? Absolutely, you know. I mean, if you're that's, that's criminal. 
you know, those, those costs are not inconsequential uh, on, no. on a monthly basis. You know, if you if you're going from a few hundred bucks up to now, you know, more than a thousand, um, probably, you know, oh, for uh, sure. you're, you're, you're dealing with, you know, a significant addition to what could be mortgages or rents or whatever else is going on there. And, you know, I, I wouldn't be surprised if uh, people got pushed out of their homes. Oh, for sure. And, you know, I think that's often things that we would always think about here in our community is we've had people that have been in this building for 30 years they are on fixed incomes. And so I think it's always trying to be really sensitive to that, that it's it's not just, you know, the younger people that, you know, are, are probably in their prime earning years and can do some of these things or can pay certain things in advance. You know, we always were trying to be really sensitive to, to those folks. Um, and, and come up with, with solutions. You know, we had a lot, we had a few folks that have reached out for certain types of payment plans and, and things that, you know, I think our stance was always, as long as you're able to communicate with us and we can work on a plan together, you know, it's not like we're going to put a, a, a lien on your property, you know, on your unit because you didn't pay like that. I think that that's cruel. So I think it's always about trying to find, you know, find a common ground and, and reaching the same end result. And this clearly in this instance did not happen and and certainly raised a lot of eyebrows. And honestly, I'm not surprised this started a lawsuit. I mean, Florida as a state is very litigious, but this feels really warranted. I mean, this is pretty egregious. I mean, as we get into some of the details of this, uh, I mean, firstly, you talk about that, you know, this wasn't just mismanagement of funds or, yeah. you know, anything like that. Like, it, it is easy to see uh, you know, the, the budgets of a community rise. Certainly sure. in the past year and a half, two years, you know, costs of everything, electricity, energy, food, water, uh, you know, it's all gone up. I mean, inflation yep. is happening. So that's hitting communities altogether. The cost of service, the cost of, you know, get, getting the trees trimmed and all of that. Like everything's gone up. But 3.7 up to 10 million is ridiculous. And what they mention in, in the details here is that five people were involved one of which is the husband of a former president of the board who in his company received at least 1.26 million dollars in hoa payments so they were not just mismanaging funds uh, or taking some off the top they were clearly and very purposefully paying out money from the hoa to their own you know in this case this this woman's husband's company Horrible. So laundering money, embezzling money. I mean, it's it's pretty egregious. Um, that's but that's not my favorite part. Uh, that's, <laughs> not that's not my favorite not, Stephen, part. That's not, Stephen. That's not. I mean, that, that's, that's not my favorite juicy. part. That's I know. Juicy. It's But the <laughs> I think this is what I, I loved about this story. I mean, this is a devastating story. But it gets pretty dramatic because the residents of this community actually tried to fix this themselves, voting out these these board members. They Good. didn't like the way it was being run. They obviously were very upset. They tried to vote these people out. And I'm going to read this to you because I don't think I can summarize it any better. <laughs> um, the residents, here's the quote, residents have been fighting for years to get rid of Gallego and the board members who support her. The Miami Herald reports. Residents tried to oust the board in January election when hundreds of voters standing in line were not allowed to vote because they have a fake phoned-in bomb threat. Yeah, boy. But not once, <laughs> but twice. And again, in a July recall election, when the board threw out two-thirds of ballots cast. So not only were these board members just embezzling money and 
poorly managing, but now they are, are just, just, just shutting the residents down. They couldn't even let themselves get voted out. So, I mean, this is, this is, it's just pretty kind of pretty wild story. You know, podcasting is a famously, uh, audio medium, but as I sit here, my jaw is agape at what you were just reading, Stephen. I, I, it, it's so crazy, and I feel like it's such a Florida story. You know, it's such a like. Of course, I mean, I mean this may happen hilarious. elsewhere, but I mean, yeah, but a fake bomb threat during voting—that is insane. I mean, that's also. Crazy. I mean, this and is a pretty official voting votes? situation. That, that I mean, yeah. I guess the community decides they may have like a real voting day. Yeah. Which is interesting. Um, that is interesting. I mean, we had, so our, when, when several years ago when we swept the board, because we basically did exactly what, what these folks were trying to do as well. We were a group of residents were really unhappy with the direction of the building. Um, and so we ran as a, as a group on a ticket and, you know, had talked to the residents. We explained what we wanted to do and we swept the board, you know, pretty, pretty swiftly. But at the same time, it was very contentious. Because at that time, there were only investors that were on the board, and they did not want to ever spend any money, and they'd been entrenched, some of them, for like five or six years. So it was really contentious. And um, we had to actually bring in, there, there is like a division of the state that can basically come in as a fully neutral party. And I actually might have even talked about this in season one. I mean, this woman... To this day, she is one of the scariest people that I have ever met. I mean, the way that she came in and the way that she spoke to us on our pool The deck, mediator? I mean, yeah. You're talking I mean, about the mediator? Was, yes. And so she oversaw everything and she was very clear. She's like, do not come within 10 feet of this table. Do not speak to me unless spoken to. I mean, it was wild. And just the amount of process and the way that she ran. So it's like there was absolutely no funny business. We all stood around, watched her count twice she had a separate, um, she had another person with her who was also then overseeing, like looking over her shoulder and making notes, counting to make sure that there there was never any question as to the integrity of the votes. And and then she delivered the results. I mean, it was it was a really intimidating process. Wow. And so I can't imagine, you know, on a scale of a, of a community with 6,500 uh, units or, or residents. I mean, that's, that's in... That is incredible. I mean, I, I no sixty five hundred units. That's sixty five hundred units. units. Yeah. So that residents. Insane. I mean, you could assume that maybe even double that. Double that. Um, yeah, for sure. That's pretty wild. I mean, that woman has got to come in probably with a lot of. She she's got to make a splash immediately so that oh, people yeah. people know who's in charge at that moment. Um, have you reached out to her potentially? Is she available for Arizona? I. <laughs> you know that's not a, you know. I feel silly for not thinking about that, Stephen. I, I feel very silly. But I mean, she we would be the we, ones to really clean out that mess up. We've got, I mean, we've got a lot of talented people out there. Obviously, this woman is, you know, is is well, laying down the law at uh, at HOA boards. You know, maybe maybe she's ready for the big leagues. I, I you know, honestly, I, I would I would never hesitate. I mean, based on what I saw on that one evening, I mean, really talk about an iron fist that that this lady you know rules with. I was I was impressed. I was intimidated, and you know, honestly. It was a little erotic, if I if I do if I'm you know being honest. Um, we had something similar, not to that level, but we did have uh, an attorney. Uh, you know, he was there for one of the um, the the annual board you know community voting uh, 
you know, meeting that we have, talk through business, talk through the budget. And he was there to sort of keep the peace and manage. And honestly, everything went on without a hitch. Like he didn't have to really flex his muscles at all. But I think just having that third party there, I think people realize, you know, the gravity of the situation. Yeah. Oh, for sure. I mean, I think I, I also think, too, having any other neutral person, you know, yeah. it does send a message that, you know, this is something that is serious. And I think that, you know, I think much like <laughs> the direction of our, our country, it was really contentious. You know, like everyone was kind of waiting around with bated breath. Like, how is this going to to resolve itself? Like, what will the outcome be? And so, you know, I think that it, it was really interesting, you know, to have this. So, and I just can't imagine i mean the fact that this is now with the state attorney of miami-dade county i mean this is really serious so i wonder oh I mean, people are says, going to people are going to jail and they even mentioned that you know the way that some of this is being conducted i mentioned you know the one of the board members husbands was being paid but they do mention that you know the way that a lot of this money was paid out and laundered was paying massive checks out to vendors who would take a cut and then return the money in a different in a different way to the to these people. So I mean you've got to imagine that these five people are now, you know, obviously on going to be on trial for this, but oh, yeah. all of these vendors that have defrauded the residents, they are also going to be looped into this. And you, sure, as they should. You got to assume new names are going to be named, you know, and that's going to be small businesses that are now roped into this and how many we don't know. Yeah. It's crazy because, you know, I even think about the finances in our building and the way that, that those things were handled. I mean, we have an independent CPA. We have our budgets are very transparent. We actually are just in the, you know, our annual meeting is right around the corner. And it's like there's line by line. And I just can't imagine. I mean, I guess there's probably a lot of people that are asleep at the wheel in a community that size that just assume that their money is being managed appropriately. But, you know, I, I guess I was a little bit closer to it. But, you know, I, I had some questions on some line items, you know, going through as a member of the board and just as a resident of what is this what are we paying for what you know explain this to me and and a lot of people have felt the same and so i i just can't imagine that if you if you weren't following the rules and being transparent was clearly they weren't um i mean like we for example we had a uh, someone when we were buying furniture that we had to get she that was like her industry and so her company but she made it very clear that she was basically recusing herself like from some of those things so that it wasn't seen as though we were going to be giving money to her company because that's clearly a conflict of interest. So she was, uh, you know, a, apart from all those conversations. But then what she was able to do was as a member of this industry, she was able to get us like essentially wholesale pricing. So it's kind that's of, one of those things where it was like she was able to use a benefit to save the building money, but, you know, it did not go to her company at all. She was not paid a dime. And so, but, and we were very, very clear about where the lines were drawn um, to avoid any sort of, you know, questions of ethics. And, you and know, I think you just, have to be because oh, sure. people, people are looking out for that. You know, obviously they, they don't want to get, they don't want to get taken for a ride. So you, you have right. to do that. Uh, but it does help to have somebody with some, some expertise in certain areas. We had something similar at our, our former community where uh, I'm not sure exactly what this person's line of work was, but he had some understanding of how, um, the, you know, it was the it was the, basically the doorbell system for the building that would route calls to residents to let people in the door. And he had some understanding of how that worked. And so he oh, took the God. reins on that. And, you know, I think the rest of us would have just taken the recommendation from the 
the management company. And he said, no, we don't need all those things. Like we're going with this. Great. It's good. And he, and he just handled everything. It was great. Cause I didn't want to handle it. Uh, but, oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, but he knew what he was doing yeah. and the rest of us to have no idea. So it, it definitely pays to sort of bring in people with that expertise, uh, to, to do that. I also have to wonder, you know, the, the ripple effects within even the real estate market. So, I mean, I'm looking, yeah. So service fee increase up to 400%. I'm going to dump my unit, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to deal with that. I'm putting it on the market. Yeah. I wonder what that also does in that area, because I'm sure there's a lot of people. And then if all of a sudden out of 6,500 units of a bunch of them are going up for sale, I can't imagine that, especially now as the market's cooling off a bit. I mean, even here to a degree that I, I cannot imagine that people are going to be clamoring in the same way. I think there's going to be a lot more questions. So I wonder if some folks are going to be stuck. Like I just, I mean, I would I imagine so. Residents. I mean, even now, you know, the, the after effects of this is that, you know, the, this is going to sort of put a, a stain on this community that it was For so sure. poorly run. Costs were probably, you know, were clearly not managed well. There was money oh, stolen. You, you've got to imagine also some of the, things that probably needed to be done for this community were probably not done to right. line the pockets of these board members. So the community has suffered, the, the members have suffered, and, you know, nobody's going to want to, you know, even even less reason to live there. Uh, oh, for sure. I mean, even just looking at some of these mugshots, I mean, and, it's, and, some, and some of these ages, I mean, some of these folks, okay, so 47, 41, 45, 52, 76... I mean, Miriam Rogers, 76, she could be, I mean, seeing her twilight years behind bars. Yeah, very much so. I mean, but then at the same time, she should. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's like I'm looking at, at the face of a woman who doesn't look thrilled to, to she, be no, there. No, she, she doesn't she, look, she does not look thrilled. I mean, I guess none of them do, but it's also like, gosh, you're, I mean, that, I just, that's, it's humiliating, it's wrong, and they should get the book thrown at them. I don't know, this kind of stuff, I think it's pretty wild. because we're in a, in a state too that has had some precarious, even things like property insurance have gone, you know, those costs have gone way up. And, and a lot mm -hmm. of these companies are, have left the state due to fraud and lawsuits. And so it's like... Everyone loses in this situation, and it's like those those costs. I mean, we're going through our, our budgeting now, and, and we've had to be really creative with trying to keep the maintenance the same because last year it went up. I mean, our, our insurance policy went up by like 40%. It was a lot. And so, and even that was like, we had a lot of questions and meetings about it of what to do, and, and it was kind of like, there's nowhere to turn at this point. Like, you're going to have to pay this, um, you know, and, and I think that, that that was brutal, and it increased our, our monthly fee by like 50 bucks and we've got some assessments around the corner with some needed you know improvements to our seawall and, and well not improvements a replacement um so it's like it's one of those things where when we look at those numbers they can be so precarious and we know that that people are already spending a lot of money and we've thought a lot about it so i it's always just infuriating to me to see you know a group that like what we've tried to do is be responsible and do the things that we think are are the right moves for the building to preserve our home and then you have a bunch of yahoos like this that are just you know running us you know a bunch of grifters we're living i feel like we're in an age of grifting you know it's very bad and it's it is uh, i mean i think that you know opportunities present itself people get uh, you know in over their heads um but i think we could uh 
also talk about another story that was in the news. This one actually in, the, in North Carolina. We're moving from aggressive illegality where people are, are, are you know, blatantly stealing and breaking the law to a story that actually is completely legal. But uh, I would argue, you know, this is more, possibly morally devastating. Yeah. You know, uh, I think this is just you know, difficult, but also, you know, the details of this are, are still sort of coming to, to light. It's definitely a bit of a bit of a he said, she said. So the details of this story that are happening in North Carolina, in Pitt County, uh, this woman uh, received a phone call from a stranger. Uh, and he said, he asked her, when are you moving out? I've bought your home and I want to move in. And she was very confused, obviously. You know, if you received a call that said, I've just bought your home and you had never put it for sale, you'd be a little bit put off. Uh, Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, scary, unusual. You never know what's going on. She discovered after talking to, you know, the, uh, I guess, county records or, or, you know, the town hall, whatever it may be, that, yes, this is true. This man owns her home. The HOA that she didn't know she belonged to in her community foreclosed on her home for unpaid fees and this person bought it for half the value of her home so she is her home is foreclosed she is potentially being forced out of it um you know on a home that she lived in for 12 years and she had paid off wow wow now i think the details how does this happen so the, the details, I think, are a bit of, you know, in contention. You know, this woman says, uh, I was not part of an HOA. I didn't know there was an HOA. And no one ever told me that I owed fees. The HOA is contesting this, saying that we served you papers. We sent you mail. Yeah. You know, were those received? I think one I- interesting issue is that the papers serving her uh, saying you know, you owe this money, you know, official legal documents saying you owe this money. And this is the, the potential um, impact of foreclosure, et cetera, uh, was never she never signed them because it was mm. delivered during COVID in the signature line. The person serving papers simply wrote C-19, uh, which was mm. apparently common practice to keep, you know, these service workers safe from close, close interaction. But you know, if that's the case, this woman never saw these documents. If it's true that she never received any of this mail, you know, then she's in a bad situation. Uh, and who's at fault? Uh, I don't know. But I mean, this would be devastating if somebody said, you know, hey, Stephen, I buy your home, get out. I would be beside myself. Yeah, of course. I mean, this is sticky because, you know, as someone, you know, so we've we had an instance where, um, there was a unit in our building that owed a ton of back dues, but it's because he unalived and like, <laughs> got, you know, so it was this weird thing where like we were trying to like work with his estate and it was one of these cases that I think probably happens a fair amount here in South Florida that he like this, this, the owner had passed away. He didn't live in the unit. So, and he was out of the country. So um, th- there was the means to try to like recoup any of the money from the estate or at least have the the knowledge, like like to say like, hey, there is this unit in Miami that 
you know, is is out there. I mean, we've we had tried. I mean, our lawyers had tried all these different things, but it's like, I mean, this has been going on for years, and it's not been put up for sale. It's not been foreclosed on. It's like we've been trying wow. and trying and trying to to make contact with whoever is in charge because it's like number one, something needs to happen to the unit at some point, but also it's like there has you know been no money coming in from that unit, and of course our budgets depend on that. And so, but it so like I I don't know. I see both sides of this, and that. It's really HOA challenging. To, yeah, this is a tough one. I mean, I mean, I, they don't really have the HOA's perspective in this particular article. Right. Maybe that's something we could dig into. But, you know, if this woman and if she's being truthful, uh, you know, in good faith that she didn't know she was part of an HOA, you know, that is something that we've seen elsewhere. I think we, sure. we've even talked about on this podcast that, you know, these, you know, HOAs or you know, quasi HOAs pop up and not all the residents are are aware of it or want to be included. But, right. you know, things get a little bit of a gray area. I think what's, you know, really concerning to me is that in the state of North Carolina, and this is a quote from uh, from this, this particular article, uh, is that, you know, there is really no such thing as an HOA foreclosure defense in North Carolina. The law oh. is tilted heavily in favor of homeowners associations. They have a lot of power. And so they can act in the same way that a bank might on foreclosing mm. on homes within their purview, which to me sounds wildly, wildly reckless. Yeah. That they could be provided such power because they are not a bank. They are not regulated. You know, right. they, they do not have corporate controls. They're just a bunch of yahoos like you and me that decide <laughs> what's going on. So I don't know. Like, it's it's really weird. That That is incredible. And and I, I think you're right in that it's, it, it's, it's incredible that – because, yeah, I'm trying to think about it. I mean, for all of these – the issues that we've had in our building, we have constantly deferred to our legal counsel. You know, like, that is we, – we, none of us are lawyers. None of us are – our bakers, no. we're unpaid volunteers. Like we're not qualified to make these types of judgments, and everything has been going through our council, and and we are are truly at her mercy. And she's been so helpful in trying to help us, at, you know, even communicating to us what the paths are to stay on the right side of the law, but also too to not lose our humanity in this. So, ah, yeah, this is a tough one. Like I just I cannot imagine, you know, what. I guess that's the thing is, you know, or is playing devil's advocate is this woman just deciding that her house, she is a sovereign nation and she doesn't have to, you know, abide by anybody's rules. Maybe. And I mean, to. that's Who the knows? thing is, I, I think there, there is no way to know exactly, you know, what transpired or how all this is done. I'm sure this is going to come out in probably some litigation. Um, oh, yeah. If, if, if it goes that way. But yeah, it's, it's, I mean, it's scary to think about just, through the, the gray area that this whole thing lives in. One, that the HOA can actually proceed with foreclosing in somebody's home, but two, that you could be that person that has your home foreclosed upon uh, unbeknownst to you. Um, right. I think that, you know, and rightly so, this article ends with some advice for homeowners, which I think we could certainly share because I think this is this is maybe one of the, the biggest things that we hope to, to offer in this podcast is, simply some some advice or best practices but for sure what what this says is stay current on HOA payments and fines okay that seems pretty pretty fair 
Um, Some lazy journalism right there. Yeah. Okay. You know, thank you for that one. Um, Right. (laughs) Keep notes when interacting with HOA. I think that's true. I mean, any, you know, keeping notes, keeping, you know, uh, paperwork that's happening, I think for your own records is is important to just know what was said and when it was said Uh, before buying into a neighborhood, decide if you want to be in one that has an HOA and getting a very frank understanding of what is going on with that HOA. What are their finances like? What are your responsibilities? What are the rules? You know, if you're coming into a community, uh, you know, when you're buying, you're excited, but you, you don't want to have to back out or regret it if the HOA sure. is, is, is going to be, you know, overbearing. Um, and, you know, the, the last one here is, and this is from, I think, an expert that they interviewed for the, for the article, uh, become involved in the HOA board vote, participate, even run for office. I actually will not recommend that. Uh, the other ones, those are all good advice. This, uh, just don't do it. Don't do it. Your mental health is at stake. For sure. It's so true. And I think too that, you know, even, even when, you know, the the keeping notes, I think is so helpful because, you know, that's vital given that's a big one. And I think that, you know, we did briefly touch on this, you know, in your absence, Stephen is, this is also something that, that the Real Housewives are also famous for is keeping receipts. You know, I think like take a page out of the Housewives and, and keep your receipts because I do think that, you know, we've had an issue here recently and I, I've given some feedback to our, our management company just in how they communicate. So there was, you know, a string of miscommunication around something that was happening around our cooling tower. So the air conditioning, the, the entire building was going to be without it for like 72 hours, which even though we're getting into November, it's still, you know, look, the planet is warming and it is never, you know, more felt than in South Florida. So I was trying to make heads or tails of what was actually supposed to happen. And so it was going back to the, the management company to say, which is it? Is it repairs? Is it something being, is it routine maintenance? Like this seems new. Like you need to do better about communicating with the residents as to what is happening to set expectations. And so I would also encourage any of our listeners to, Hold your management companies or hold anyone, you know, responsible and accountable. Make them talk to you in a way that you understand. Because I do think that if there is a larger issue, it is up to us as residents and members of these communities to not just take for granted that everyone knows what they're doing. I mean, I think anything that I've learned, I'm generally surrounded by idiots constantly. I mean, everybody's making this up as you go along. We talked about the last episode how I feel empowered in, you know, really, you know, reaching for the stars here because I see, you know, incredibly wealthy, you know, incredibly connected people, you know, in, uh, in the corporate world, uh, just absolutely blowing it. And that makes me feel like, (laughs) you know what, I could do this. You can do anything. I could do this. I could do this. So, you know what, everybody reach for the stars, get out there, do your best. The worst case scenario is that you just get ripped on Twitter as the CEO of, you know, that company. Yeah. And who knows? Twitter may not even be here by the time you're doing it. I think if anything, yeah, reach for the stars because the worst that can happen is that you end up on an AP newswire with your mugshot and that you've just been. That is actually a worst funds. case scenario. That is a pretty <laughs> worst case scenario. Um, I would, I, one, one thing maybe we can, as we wrap this up, I, I want to just, uh, I might challenge you on Pat. You said, you know, you got to talk to your board members. You got to do this. I agree with that with one caveat. If I'm on the board, don't talk to me. I don't want to. Be, I don't want. I don't want to see you. I don't want to hear from you. Yeah. Just, just, just leave me alone. I'm really stressed. 
Yeah, yeah. I mean, you kind of had to do like the George Costanza, just, just always looking angry, uh, Harry. I'm just, you know. Yeah, yeah. I, 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 I I'm trying to. Uh, I'm doing my best to get up in the morning. Look, that's all. That's all any of us are doing at <laughs> this point. All that's all we can do. That's so. all we can do. Well, Stephen, thank you. I mean, I, I just cannot believe that we've kind of been able to transition out of our own kind of anecdotes from things that we've observed in our communities to now just, you know, scanning the news wires and really just keeping an eye out for, for these Somebody's got to keep are... these people accountable, Pat. I'm telling you. got to. Look. Somebody's got to do mean, it. And I think those people are us, Stephen. I, I feel, I mean, we're called to this. You know, I, I think that this is, it's, it's us. You know, I think I'd love to get in the courtroom and maybe do some, you know, live reporting as a state attorney is announcing charges on, you know, poor Miriam Rogers, 76, just looking very dour in her mugshot. I can't imagine that uh, that courtroom sketch is going to be any different. But um, I mean, hopefully know. those millions of dollars that she embezzled can give her a little bit of Botox. She cleans that act up. Look, you know, this is also a, a pro Botox podcast. And so, you know, I, I, I would wholeheartedly endorse that and, you know, hope that you know, I'd certainly want to be looking my best if my mugshot were crossing the AP Newswire. So, yeah, freeze my face, you know. And, right, yeah. And freeze I mean, Pat, you're, you're, you're mugshot ready right now. Oh, well, you know, that's one of the nicest things you've said to me, Stephen. I, I agree. <laughs> you're that. welcome. You. You're welcome. You're welcome. Excellent. Well, so I think we'll end, uh, you know, on that of continuing to alter your appearance and, uh, you know, alter your building's finances. You know, do it in your favor and, and stay vigilant out there, everyone. Thanks for listening. Alrighty, we'll talk to you soon.